good evening and welcome to Registry Report Radio. My name is Michael McKay and I'll be one of your hosts this evening as we navigate the treacherous terrain of the sex offender registry and what we can do in terms of advocacy for change in that area. Tonight, we'll be talking with Mary Sue Molnar, who is the Executive Director of Texas Voices for Reason and Justice. Uh, We'll be getting to her in just a moment. I want to take a moment to explain to you how you can listen to us live, whether you're on the computer, on your phone, or on Skype, you can listen to us live whenever we're broadcasting a show. And one of the easiest ways to do that is just to click on the links in social media when you see them. Another thing you can do is go to blogtalkradio.com and follow us there. When you do that, you will automatically get a reminder before each show, and then all you got to do is click on the link that they send you, and you'll be able to listen that way. If you're unable to listen on a computer, then you can call in on a telephone. Call in and listen to the show. The number is 563-999-3712. All you got to do is listen. We will also, for future shows, be able to take your calls if you have questions or comments that you want to make to our guests. We're not quite there tonight, but we'll be able to do that in future shows, so keep that in mind as well. So I want to welcome our hosts this evening. Uh, One of our hosts, Shauna Baldwin, is not able to be here tonight because of a last-minute conflict in scheduling, but we do have Dwayne Daughtry and Elizabeth Christensen here. How are you doing, Dwayne? It helps if I turn your microphone on, doesn't it? I'm sorry. We probably didn't catch the first part. I'm doing quite well tonight. Thank you very much. Super. Are you getting any snow in uh, North Carolina? No. Actually, it's been in the 70s today. So, uh, oh. you know, when we talk about snow, we're, we're thinking, where is that happening? I keep seeing it on the news, but we're getting, I guess, we, we haven't had the tornadoes like the rest of the nation, but we have the weather and all the, the formulas and recipes for such weather. I guess all the snow is going to Arizona and Las Vegas or something. Isn't that the weirdest part? (laughs) Absolutely. Let's welcome Elizabeth. Elizabeth has even less snow. How are you doing, Elizabeth? I'm doing very well. Thank you for asking. Really excited about tonight's interview. I am too. Our guest tonight is Mary Sue Molnar, and we'll get her on the line here in just a moment. I just want to go over some news that we've seen recently regarding not necessarily the sex offender registry, but things that are tangential to it. Most of you have seen the news that Robert Kraft, the owner and CEO of the New England Patriots, has been busted for solicitation of prostitution in Florida. This is all the more interesting, I'm sure, to Elizabeth, that she's been working on lobbying against a bill concerning this very thing in Florida. Of course, the only reason that this is a story at all is because the man is a billionaire prostitution, sex trafficking, massage parlors, been with us for decades and decades. So, But if you're a billionaire, suddenly it's news. Uh, let's see. We have R. Kelly, who just made bail just in the last 30 minutes or so, and has been, I believe, released from jail. He had to come up with $100,000 to satisfy $1 million bail. And what's interesting about that is one of the offenses that he is being charged with now occurred while he was on bail the last time he was charged criminally. So uh, this is going to be interesting, I think. And let's see, in Rhode Island, Providence, Rhode Island, to be specific, uh, local police had to be posted 24-7 in front of a registrant's house because of neighborhood vigilantes and mob demonstrations in front of the person's house. They were there for several days when they finally removed the detail and went back to the 
precinct. That's when the mob decided to throw a brick through the person's window. So if you're interested, it's uh, Providence, Rhode Island. Uh, oh, and it cost the taxpayers $102,000 to post those police officers in front of the registrant's house. So all of these are stories that are in the news. If you're interested, you could uh, probably follow them more closely by following us on Twitter or just Google it on the news. One other bit of news is the DUI arrest of Ron Book in Florida. If you don't know the name, he happens to be a very powerful lobbyist in Florida who has been almost personally responsible for the many laws restricting where registrants can live and work and play. And so I'm sure our guest tonight is going to have a lot to say about that as well. So that brings us to our guest, who is Mary Sue Molnar. She is the founder and executive director of Texas Voices for Reason and Justice. She is the mother of a registered citizen. I'm pretty sure that's how she came to become such a great and powerful advocate in this area. She is from the San Antonio area, and anyone who's met her recognizes what a powerhouse she is in terms of advocating for people on the registry and their families. And she's just finished up a whirlwind two weeks of intense lobbying in Austin, Texas, the capital of Texas. And so tonight she's going to share with us a lot of lessons learned, things that she's keeping an eye on, things that she's been able to accomplish. And she'll be telling us a lot more about what brought her to this point in what she's doing. So welcome, Mary Sue. How are you doing? Hey, Michael and everybody. I'm doing great. How are y'all doing? Thanks for being here. Tell our listeners a little bit about what caused you to start down this path of advocacy for registrant families. So I do have a son, and I, I believe it was probably 12 years ago that he was charged and with a sex offense. And so I understand that when people break the law, there needs to be some kind of punishment. But I really didn't know what this charge meant. I didn't know all of the details. And little by little, you know, when I read his conditions and restrictions, when I started Googling online and, and pulling up all of these things, I was just shocked. I'm like, seriously, lifetime registration. So something he did when he was 22, uh, he'll be on the registry when he's 62. So, and then some of the restrictions and conditions were so, they would have been laughable if they were not happening to my son. So to make a long story short, I just felt like I wanted to, I wanted to start a group here to go and talk with legislators and, and kind of see if we could get some things changed. Never, never really knowing how difficult it would be. I didn't know anything about the legislative session, how laws were made, you know, none of that. And so I was hoping to get together about, you know, 10 to 12 people. And that's how we started. And today, which is about 10 years, 11 years later, we have over 600 on our email list, an inmate newsletter to both federal and state. And more and more new members coming our way daily because this registry here is so large. So I, it just grew. I, I never expected that it would grow that fast. The group would, but it did. And I, I'm really thankful that it did. I've met some great, great people. And, you know, we, we do the best we can to um, try to get change over here in Texas. 
You know, one of the things I, I found uh, kind of amusing about your presentation at the NARSOL conference was that you were initially met with some skepticism when you said that you were going to do this, weren't you? Yeah, it was pretty interesting. The way that, you know, I found the first few people that joined the group back then, I guess you could just call it a, a group. I had sent a letter to NARSOL. This was years ago when they were RSOL and they had a petition on their website. So I sent them an email asking them if anyone from Texas had signed the petition. And they said, yes, we've probably got five or six signatures, but we can't give you their information. It's personal. So I said, well, can you send them an email and give them my information, which they did. And I received maybe three or four responses. And one of them was an attorney who for the past 10 years has been a huge, huge help to me. He's been a mentor. He's been wonderful. And he said, you know, Ms. Molnar, I know what you're trying to do, but I think you're going to have a tough time because people just don't want to come forward. So as the weeks would go on, I would get two or three emails or two or three calls and we'd gain a couple of members. So I would keep emailing him back and say, we're up to 15, we're up to 18, we're up to 21. And then at some point, I guess he got tired of the emails and he said, we need to meet. So we met and he said, I think you're kind of wacky. You know, you don't, you don't really know anything. You don't know what you're doing, but somehow you're moving along. And I said, yeah, I am, I am kind of wacky. And I'm just thrilled, you know, to have a few people to work with. So that's, you know, where it began. And I think he just was pretty tickled that we kept growing and growing. So he started coming to our meetings and helping us out. And I call him all the time with questions from our members. And, oh, gosh, it's been a whirlwind the last 10 years, I'll tell you. I can imagine. You don't have to be wacky to do this kind of work, but it probably helps, right? Well, I think I think he thought <laughs> I was kind of nuts because I knew nothing. I mean, he asked me probably 50 questions, and I couldn't answer any of them. I didn't know anything. Just trying to start a group. And he, I guess he thought, what is this lady doing? I mean, she doesn't, she doesn't even know anything. But, you know, you can learn. And I set about doing that, learning as much as I could, calling him all the time with questions, looking at the legislative website. There's a huge amount of information on most of the legislative websites. I mean, you can learn so much. Mm -hmm. And then going up to the Capitol with a notepad, asking questions, just going from office to office, asking questions. What is this? What does that mean? How does a bill get filed? What is a committee hearing? What is a committee substitute? What is sure. this? What is that? It's just constantly trying to learn, learn, learn. And I guess I could say that even today, every session, I learn something new. There's always something new to learn. Mm -hmm. So you founded Texas Voices for Reason and Justice 10 years ago. How long was it after you started this? Did you know that this was going to work, that this was actually a viable plan? Well, it took a while because I believe it was right about when we had about 12 people. We had our first face-to-face -face meeting in Austin, and there was a couple of ladies there who knew a lot more than I did about the legislative session, and they were talking about bills and bill numbers and amendments, committee substitutes. I didn't even know what they were talking about. So when I left that meeting that day, I was actually questioning, what am I doing? What am I doing? I don't, I don't know anything about this. How am I going to learn? Where do I even mm -hmm. begin? So it took a couple of weeks for me to kind of snap out of that. 
and just start trying to figure everything out. I guess when we had about 80 or 100 people was when I thought, wow, this is really good. You know, we're really moving along here. But it's really challenging. I mean, the more members you have, the bigger the challenges because you're trying to train them on talking points. And, you know, you don't want someone to get up and testify and just say something that they really shouldn't say. And there's so many people that they're so interested in their own case and their own case only. And, right. you know, they, they need to speak for everyone, not just for their own case. So there there's so much for me to learn still. There's so much for the members to learn. And we're so spread out. I mean, Texas is huge. So I, I try to get to the big cities once a year or twice a year if I can. We've had a couple of conference calls. We have an email group where I put out as much info as I can, you know, trying to get everybody ready to go. Our next session, which will be in two years, will be our big push for deregistration and a lot of other bills that we'd like to see. So we're really killing it, you know, this time trying to get everybody ready for that. I've been following your exploits in your email list as you uh, work the Capitol for the last couple of weeks. Tell us a little bit about how that's working and what sort of things you're doing down there. So we find that a lot of the legislators actually agree with us. But for them to file a bill, uh, a bill like we need and bills that they should be filing, is really difficult to get them to do that because it never fails when they run for their next reelection. Their opponent is going to stick it on a postcard. You know, this is a soft on sex offender guy and send these postcards out. So they're all scared. I mean, some of them, I think, actually want to help. They just don't know how to help and still win their next election. Some of them are, are still uneducated. They have no clue, you know, what's going on or what the truth is mm -hmm. or what the facts are. So, you know, you run into a lot of different people. What I tell our members is always be kind, always be professional. You know, don't go off on them, don't blow up. Just be kind and professional when you're visiting the offices. You want them to like you. If they don't like you, then they're going to fight against you. So if they don't agree with you, at least they might be just neutral. But you certainly don't want them to hate you. So we tell them just be, be nice, be kind, be professional. Just go in, leave the one-pagers that we've created, talk to them, pick, pick something. What do you want to talk mm -hmm. to them about? Is it a, a restriction? Is it deregistration? You know, do you have a really good story you'd like them to hear? The staff members are really, it's a big part of the legislative session. They are the ears to the legislator. So during the session, it's very difficult to actually meet face-to-face -face with the legislators. Mostly you're dealing with staff members. But, you know, most of them are really kind and, and really nice and easy to talk to. So we keep trying, even though we're not making a lot of progress in the good column and we're still having to go down there and fight bills from the bad column. Every meeting that we have, every legislator that we talk to educates a little bit more. I can believe it. I'm sure that at least half of your job is educating them. The other half is persuading them. And, and the, the whole time you've got to navigate this minefield of public perceptions. I'm sure it's not it's easy. So, I, it's so overwhelming sometimes because there are so many issues that need to be addressed. I mean, just piles of them. 
So if you go in and you just start spilling out every single issue, they're going to get confused. You know, with the newer legislators, the ones that really don't know anything, you have to kind of start with your story and and then say, you know, my issue is or what I would like to see is and kind of narrow it down to one or two issues. If you give them a list of 50 things and just start going off about all of them, it's kind of confusing. I mean, first they have to understand the basics. And it's funny, some of our members will say, oh, no, I've got a new legislator. Here we go again. I've got to start from the beginning. And that's basically what it is. Right. With the newer legislators, you've got to start with the basics. So it's it's a job, I tell you. I know Dwayne has some questions for you about some of the specific issues that you're following and and trying to have some influence on. So, Dwayne. Thank you very much, Mary Sue. I I feel like I should have prepared this large brisket barbecue feast (gasps) for Texas. (laughs) Oh, my God. Brisket is my favorite food. Oh, uh, you know, I can't and I, believe every you time said I go that. To that Austin, is my favorite. Oh, uh, well, okay. I did my research good. Uh, <laughs> you but, sure did. But I really commend you for, first of all, 10 years ago, being a creator of an organization that many people can resonate with today and also identify uh, their own state. So uh, my question is, is what does your organization do to educate the masses, especially for Texas, but also for other areas as well? Well, you know, it's really hard with the masses. I like to do media, to tell you the truth. And I do media, most of the most of the Texas Voices media, because most of our members don't want to do that or can't do that. So I think that's a really good way is through media, even the local news stations. If they have something going on, I'm more than happy to put my two cents in. We encourage our members to talk to their coworkers. I mean, a lot of people, they, they're so secretive, and I understand that. But, you know, sometimes when you talk to people, they get it. And that's what they need. They need to know us. They need to really learn who these people are that are on the registry. So educating the masses is a little tougher because you have to really get out there in the media or you have to be willing to tell your story or sit down with your coworkers and say, look, there's some things I want to talk to you all about. Or it's a slow process, little by little. But, you know, one thing that that I've noticed is, okay, so Texas has almost 100,000 on the registry. And according to our DPS, they're adding about 12 people a day. That's a lot of educating. Wow. I mean, people just don't get it until someone they know gets caught up in it. And then all of a sudden they get it, just like I did. Right. So I think that's so, a big educator right there. Yes, I think that's substantial. So, so based upon those numbers, do you feel that family members are equally affected by the registry? I, I kind of look at it from a perspective of you have 12 people per day being added, but I could calculate, you know, moms, fathers, grandparents, children, siblings, that's 20 more people per person per day. So you're looking at really registering, uh, yes, 12 people, but if you look at the bigger picture, that's 100 people per day. Do you right, think the family right. members are, are affected as well? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely they're affected. And so I think our organization, we're probably half and half. Half are the registered Uh, the people who are registered, and the other half are family members. That's basically what our membership consists of. So I think one thing that's really powerful when working with the legislators, even more powerful than for someone who is registered to speak up, is their family to speak up because they are punished. I mean, we've had wives or husbands lose their job 
because their spouse is registered. The kids suffer in school. Sometimes they're bullied. Someone finds out and word spreads. We often see children that that are depressed or angry, afraid. You know, they're fearful. It it affects the whole family. And we actually did, we put together a one-pager on stop harming the children. And it really gives a good example to legislators of how children of people who are registered suffer from this. So, you know, that's it's it's like I was saying earlier, there's so many issues to tackle, but I think that the best way really is when the families speak out. Absolutely. Because they Absolutely. Did, you know, they didn't do anything. They you know, they didn't do anything and they're still you know, they're suffering. The whole family is suffering. So we encourage that a lot. We've got a lot of good family members that will speak out. What do you recommend to lawmakers? I mean, many people think or assume there's a lot of rhetoric and noise that groups like ours and yours and others are just trying to abolish it to sweep things (laughs) under the rug. I guess my question is, how do you approach a lawmaker to say, this is what we want? What is it that we want other than education? Okay, so I've talked to... Okay. Do you mean like when we're talking to a legislator, what we ask for, what we say, this is what needs to happen? What what is the Texas agenda right now? That's a really good question. Our members internally, we know because of the research that the registry doesn't work at all. So we would, we'd love to just see the registry gone. But realistically speaking, if you go to a legislator in Texas and you say, okay, what needs to happen is we need to get rid of the registry. Oh, man, they're not even going to want to meet with you because they're not there yet. They're just not there yet. So what we're doing at this point is going in and saying, you know, the registry doesn't work anyway. But what we need to do at this point is start removing people, letting people go on with their lives, getting them off. So we move on. What we don't want is for somebody to say, well, the registry is not for people like me. Everybody else should be on it, but not me. Oh, I believe in the registry for the dangerous ones. Because what we tell our members is, are you going to let them decide who's dangerous? And what if they decide you're dangerous? So we we say, you know, we we don't believe in the registry and we don't want to make, we don't want to keep that a secret. That is the truth. It doesn't work. But when we ask for something, we can't just go out and blurt out, we want to get rid of the registry because we'll turn them off. They're not even going to want to converse after that. So we we start with little things. And then when we testify or when we write letters to them or send emails to them or make brochures or one-pagers, we always put that in there. The registry doesn't work. You know, regardless, the research shows the registry doesn't work. So what we're asking for is, so we always try and get that little blurb in there just to get the conversation started. Right. It's going to be, it's very difficult to get that conversation and the momentum going especially when there's so many articles in the news every day, you turn it on and it feels like, oh, you know, as soon as you have one message or narrative pushed forward, uh, there's something else of an R. Kelly or something that's happened. And it really tears down a lot of barriers and walls that uh, have been trying to be navigated. Do you find that the same problem when you're approaching lawmakers? Yeah, I do in some ways. I mean, every time I see another news article, I think, oh, my God, here we go again. I think it, right. it just it's like, oh, here we go again, here we go again, because they kind of just start 
looking at the, this issue again in, in, in a way that we don't want them to look at it. But, you know, we just have to move forward. And it's tough working with the legislators. The problem, one of the problems is that sometimes you just feel like you're, you're talking yourself to death and you're trying to beat down a brick wall. But, you know, I go by that there's this one saying I always tell myself, if you don't do nothing, you get nothing. You have right. to do something. And you never right. know. You never know when you're going to get something. But regardless, just keep moving forward. So that's what we do. And it is grueling and it's overwhelming. And another thing is this is for certain. When there's a bad bill that has been filed, we get on it pretty quickly. We start emailing the legislator, opposing it. Um, we, we had one recently on a residency restriction. And there were so many members that emailed and called that office. And then we went in and had a meeting with them. And they said, we're not going to take this bill to committee. We see that there's going to be a big fight, and we're not willing to fight over this bill. So they basically let us know that they're done with this one. It's been filed. It'll be assigned to committee, and it's not going anywhere else. So that's great. So we're just watching it to make sure that it stays that way. But we're down there fighting these bills, and some we, we kill and some we don't. But if nobody is down there fighting these bills, they can just, you know, whip through there so easy. If the legislators don't know and they don't hear what's wrong with the bill or the other side, why would they not pass it? Right. You know, nobody's going to speak up for us. Right. You're absolutely right. Sure. Some of the members will will get frustrated and they'll say, why do we have to work with the legislators? You know, they're not going to help us. And I tell them, are you kidding we have to. I mean, there's probably yeah. multiple bills that we killed by working with the legislators. So we really have no choice. You've got to be there. Right. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And, and I'm sure Elizabeth can weigh in on some questions here, too. Yeah, sure. Hi, Mary Sue. Thank you so much for being Hi, with us. Well, thank you all for inviting me. I'm just like you. You were saying that your son was added to the registry at 22 and getting involved. You didn't have any clue what you were doing, and I am right there right now. (laughs) Well, shake hands, partner. (laughs) Don't worry. It'll (laughs) work out. Well, I'll try not to ask you questions that you've already been asked, but I'll just touch on, you know, one thing that you said is getting family involved is really important. And as my son is now going through the mandatory counseling, a lot of these people don't have Internet access. And how would be some ways that I could get them information and help get them and their families involved? Oh, yeah, that, that's really difficult. One, one thing that we did for quite a while, and we haven't done this lately, we would give our members each a few zip codes, and we had a standard letter that we would send out letting them know about Texas Voices, providing them with the website where they could go and look it up for themselves, giving them a toll-free number to call if they wanted more information, We weren't getting much response. And there's so many scam stuff that goes out. I think a lot of people thought, well, this must be a scam. What we were hoping that they would do is look us up on the Internet. So at one point, we decided to start adding our brochure to this letter because it made it look a little more a little more professional. And we still didn't get a big response. But, you know, so maybe out of 100 letters, we would get two responses. But you know what? Sometimes those two responses were great people that were really going to pitch in and help. Another thing yeah. that I do, I try to get into the treatment groups. If the okay. treatment provider will allow me to go and speak with his group, it's good if you can get in there. The problem is, you know, a lot of the guys, I mean, here, 
if they're on parole and their offense wasn't committed on the Internet, parole has changed their rules about a year ago, and they allow them Internet and even social media. Probation is completely different. They don't even allow Internet in most cases. So they can't get on the Internet. They can't really connect with us, but they do have family members. And, you know, most of the time, someone in their family. So I take brochures to the group. I pass them out. I pass out my business cards. And I just talk to them about who we are and what we do. And I really try to watch what I say because this is the treatment providers group. And I don't want to to say anything that, that, you know, is out of line or that he he or she would consider out of line. But there's a couple down here actually more than a couple that have allowed me to come in and speak to their group. And some of the family members have called and gotten involved. The biggest thing is when I do a media thing like on TV, then we'll get usually numerous emails and phone calls immediately following that. It's amazing. I mean, we've been out there for 10 years. We've been all over the place. And there's still, I would guess that half the population on our registry don't even know that we're here. Yeah. It's just really difficult. I mean, when you have 100,000 on the registry, it's like, how do you reach all of them? Right. I think that's an issue for a lot of families. Like when before this happened to my family, I had only heard of the sex offender registry maybe twice on the evening news. I, I never and beyond hearing it, I never thought anything about it. And then the nightmare began. <laughs> yeah, me too. Same here. And I think one of the problems that, and I guess most of the groups face the same problem, what we're looking for at this point, I mean, when I started and I only had 12 people, I would sit here and look at my email and just hope that someone would email. It was just weird. I was just dying to build the group. And now it's quite a few every week, emails or calls. One of the problems is that you have two kinds of people. You have Some people that call and say, this is happening to my husband or this has happened to me or to my son. You know, how can I get involved? How can I help? That's the great call. Then you get the opposite. You get people who call and say, hey, I'm going to be homeless by tomorrow at 1 o'clock and I need a place to live. Where do I go? You know, we can't fix that. We can't fix that. You know, we don't have, we're not a reentry organization. We're an advocacy organization. So those are the most difficult calls because, you know, we have to show that person, you know, we do care about you, but that's not something that we can help you with. I mean, certainly he's in a city and we know of a place he can go, but it's kind of like the Miami Dade thing. There are, there are hardly any places to go or we get somebody that calls and, oh, this is the big one. I need a pro bono lawyer. I don't have any money. Do y'all have lawyers that'll take my case? Well, no, we don't. You know, and, and so we have to tell them in, in, a, in a way that, you know, I'm so sorry, but there are thousands of people out there who need a lawyer. Right. I'm, you know, I'm sure. So, yeah. So there's those kind of calls where people just, they're calling because they want help and they want help right now. And then there's mm-hmm. always a few who call for help and, and you give them what they need and you never hear back from them. So, you know, oh, you have yeah. to take the good with the bad because you never know who's going to turn out to be a really active member. Normally, it's the people who call and say, let me tell you my story or let me tell you what happened to my son. And, you know, I really need some support and I really want to do something to help. Those are the good calls. Yeah. You know, if they care care enough to want to help. 
Yeah. So, and this is not only for me, but maybe any other family member that's listening. You know, I got on Twitter, and at first I was really afraid to say anything. My house had already been shot at. Uh, we had wow. people all over our driveway in the middle of the night, running over mailboxes, throwing beer bottles, screaming profanity. So I totally understand Sure. family members not wanting to share their story and get involved or put themselves out there. So how would you, like when I got on Twitter, I started asking a lot of questions, a lot of different advocates. I'm sending my phone number all over the place, private messages. I want to talk to people, you know. And a lot of people muted me. A lot of people kind of got tired of my questions, but they didn't understand. Oh. I mean, they had 10 to 15 years leadway to, to learn right. the ins and outs and, and this and that. And of course, when this happens to you, and I'm sure you can understand that, you begin. You need to sure, instantly. Right. Yeah. And you, and you think about it before going to bed every night. And I wake up mid conversation in the morning. I can't, it just doesn't leave my mind. And so I'm constantly hitting people up for advice or information. What would be your best advice to, to get information, to be an advocate or to get involved without getting on everybody's nerves? Oh, well, you know, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm surprised that, that people weren't more willing to help. I know that for me, time is an issue as well, but I would certainly be glad to help you. I mean, even if it's just a short 20 minute call here and there, you're welcome to call me anytime. I'm, I'm always willing well, to help you. anybody. That's really nice. Sure. Yeah. I'd, I'd love to. How did you get started talking to the lawmakers? Did you, you just walked in or? Yeah. You know, that was my weirdest thing is I, I didn't even know how to do a meeting. I, you know, I didn't even know what to say or how to act or who to talk to. I didn't know any of that. So I just started going into offices and saying, hi there. Now, the best time to do it is when the session is not going on because they have a lot of times the staffers have plenty of time to just chat with you and they'll even help you on, on how to do things. During the session, you really have to be in these offices because you're fighting bills or you're trying to push bills. So at those, at those times, you don't have a choice. But if you really want to just get started and learn a lot, it's good to wait till the session's over when the staff have okay. a lot more time to just sit down and visit with you. I learned a lot okay. by that. Like I said, I would take a notepad and I'd say, okay, you know, it's really good. What I found, it's really good to be honest with them. You know, instead of being like super professional and just be honest, what I would tell them was, hi, you know, I'm, I've, I'm starting a nonprofit and I'm I'm going to be lobbying the offices and I'm going to be talking to legislators and staff members and this is my first meeting and I really don't know what to do. I mean, okay. I just want to talk to you but I don't want to be um you know, I want to do it the right way. Can you can you tell me like when I come into an office like this, what is the first thing I should say? I mean, I would okay. just ask them these basic down-to-earth questions and they were like, "Oh, well you've done fine so far. Well, the first thing you should do, you know, so definitely get business cards made because you, if they ever want to call you or get back with okay. you, they've got to have a way to contact you. I've got some amazing one-pagers that we've made. I'd be glad to is email those you to you. Is just one page that, that's something simple? Yeah, we do. What happens is this. We've seen other people leave. They call it a leave behind. When you leave something behind at a legislator's office, and it must be a 10 font 
and just loaded. I mean, three pages of just tons yeah. of info. They're not going to read that. So what we yeah, do Yeah, they don't have is, enough time. Right. We do a one-pager, and their one-pagers are so difficult because there's so much information that you want them to know. And so you really have to just pick and choose what are the most important parts that you're going to put on there. And so right now we are trying to get a bill about driver's license. So we have a one-pager for that. We have a one-pager for family members for the children. We have a one-pager for just general information about these laws. We have several. We have a palm card that Michael put together for us. So it depends on what we're doing. If you're going to a new legislator, we would give them the general one-pager. If we're going to, if we're trying to fight a bill or push a bill forward, we do a special one-pager just for that bill. So I, I mean, it's a lot. It's a lot of work. But I can, I would love to send you our one-pagers, and you can just look them over, and then you can. That would be um, great. Sure, you can just use whatever you need and adjust them and edit mm-hmm. them for your state and what you'd like to have on them, and you're welcome mm-hmm. to use them. So they work well, out really good. That'd be a really great good. template and, and great information for me that doesn't that doesn't know what I'm doing. Oh, it looks like Dwayne has an additional question for you. Okay, thanks. Uh, I enjoy talking uh, to you, Elizabeth. I enjoy talking to you too. Thank you so much. I I have this whole list. Uh, you've given me so much information. Thank you. Well, sure. Get my email address, too, so we can connect. Yes, ma'am. Uh, hi, uh, Mary. So I did have a question as far as up. Is there any any legislation or, or bills that we should be on the lookout from Texas uh, that, you're, that you're helping to originate or facilitate? Well, this year, every year, there's probably 12, 15 bills that we're fighting. This year, so far, and, and they have till March 8th. There's not as many. So it's almost like they're so focused on education and taxes. They're not filing a bunch of the bills that we would uh, be against. And what we're going for is just a very, very simple bill, something that would help register people, um, give them a little bit of relief from all of this mess that they have to go through day by day. And so that bill is in Texas. A person has to, a registered person has to renew their driver's license every year in person. So there's a big stink down here about the long lines at these DPS offices. So our one pager and our bill is that they could renew online. There's no reason for them to renew in person. That's not where their photo comes from. It doesn't come from the driver's license office. It comes from the registering office. So we've got a one pager explaining, would you like to help reduce the lines in the driver's license offices? Well, here's what you should do, and here's why you should do it. And then we have a bill that we had drafted. We go in and we um, go from office to office and talk to them about this bill and different legislators. That's really the only one that we're pushing. One more thing I want to say about, about bills. There are some really good bills out there as far as, well, I would say there's six or eight really good bills that we really like. And we would love to show up in big numbers and support them. But you know what? Those are not our bills. Those were bills pushed by some other organizations. We don't want to jump in on their bill and make it a sex offender issue, just like we wouldn't want we may not want them to jump into our bill without letting us know. So on these bills that we really like, we go to the legislators' offices and we say, we really like your bill. 
here's my card. If you need us to help, please let us know. You know, we could drop a card, support your bill. We could testify. Whatever you need us to do to help you, we're here. So we let them make that decision. And then we call the organization that is pushing the bill links. We tell them, we're, we're here for you. We love your bill. Let us know what we can do to help. So that's how we do that. We don't want to just jump in on a good bill because sometimes a bill is really good, but then you get, you know, 100 registered people in the room and it starts to, you know, the legislators kind of back off of it. So sometimes right. it's better for us to keep kind of a low profile. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, well thank you for sharing that. Mary Sue, I got a question for you. Okay, the sure. The first one, you mentioned going on TV, and I was able to see some of your TV appearances doing my research before the show. And you did great, by the way. I'm sure the <laughs> thought of going on TV just strikes fear into just about anyone's heart. Can you can you tell us a little bit about how you cope with that and, and any advice you'd give to anyone who's trying to decide if he should And I know I know this is hard hard to believe, but for me it doesn't strike fear at all. I love I love to go to bat. It doesn't strike fear at all. I'm not nervous at all when I'm interviewing. I think I you know I do pretty well. What happens to me is afterwards. Afterwards I can lay there all night long thinking maybe I should have said this. Maybe I should have said that. Why didn't I say this? Why didn't I answer? So it's the afterwards that kills me because I'm I'm rethinking everything that they asked and everything that they said and how I could have responded, you know, in a better way. And that, that the afterwards stresses me out. Doing the actual interview, I love to do them, but so that, that's my problem. You know, it's hard for people that are registered because a lot of people have children and, you know, their children don't really know. I don't think they'd want to see their dad. And and, in the news media, they have a way of making you look bad sometimes. And so it's really hard for people. I think it's a personal decision if someone's willing to get out and tell their story or oppose something and tell why they're opposing it. I think it's great. I just don't think it's for everybody. I mean, it's so tough trying to get through life on the registry and this could make it a little tougher so i mean i don't know how it's just such a personal thing and one thing that we tell our members especially because we know that some people want to remain super private is you know you don't have to do anything if you just want to be on the email list and read the emails until you're more comfortable we're not going to ask you to put your name out there your face out there you know you can help from behind if that's what you choose to do but, you know, after a while being with the group, a lot of people do step forward and they gain more confidence and they want to get out there. So, um, it's, you know, it just depends. And that's why in a group, a larger group especially, you need to have someone that's willing to do media because you can't always say no. Oh, no, no comment. Right. Oh, no, no comment. It, it almost appears like you're hiding something. So you have to have somebody that, that will do it, but somebody who can do it well. And I'm not saying I'm the best at it. But, you know, I, I think I've gotten a little bit better as the years have gone by, and I'm, I'm certainly willing to get out there and give it a try. Well, you're doing a great job. Your organization has been around for 10 years now. You're considered one of the most successful advocacy organizations in the country. Tell me what you would do differently now. If you could do it all over again, knowing what you know now, what would you do differently? Oh, gosh. You know, I can't think of anything that I'd do differently I mean, I'm just, I feel so blessed as it is to have so many, you know, good people and so many good families come forward and join in 
to help. I mean, I'm not sure that I would have done anything differently, Mike. Just so I just feel like I said, I feel blessed every day that we've got the people that we've got. And, you know, a lot of people say, uh, well, what do you do? I mean, how is it that you get such a huge organization? How did you get so many people to join in? How do you do it? It's, I don't think it's that I'm that good at it. I think it's that our registry is just that big. You know, I mean, we've got 100,000 people. Considering yeah. that, I mean, it's not real hard to pull members in. So uh, not for us. There's just too many people on the list. Mm -hmm. So um, anyway, I appreciate the comments, but, um, you know, I, I don't know what I'd do differently, Michael. I really don't. Wow. Well, I, I mean, that's good, though. I think that's great that you've made all the right moves, I believe. I, I do know, I will tell you that when I first started in my own personal advocacy, I heard over and over and over again, every time I made contact with somebody in this field, they would always say, you have got to meet Mary Sue. You've got to meet Mary How Sue. Funny. She is just doing great things. She is this bundle of energy down there that just motivates people, organizes people, and gets things done. So I was so glad to meet you uh, last summer at your annual conference. You do put on a, a really good conference, by the way. I enjoyed myself. I learned quite a bit there and made some great connections. I think that you inspire a lot of people in this movement. I just want to let you know how much well, not only we appreciate you, know, but, I, but I know dozens of people who appreciate what you're doing all over the country. Thanks, Michael. And you know, I think what inspires me is our members. We've got such great people in Texas Voices, they're so wonderful. It's it's not even about my son anymore. I mean, there you know, there's so many people out there that have come forward, and they're such good folks. And I'm so blessed, you know, to know them, and and to call them friends. It has been my pleasure to serve. I have one more question for you, and this is something that I'm seeing more and more, and I've never heard your opinion on this. What do you think of this tendency of criminal justice reformers all over the country to make exceptions for people on the sex offender registry? In other words, you know, yeah. voting rights except for people on the registry, yeah, early release except that. for people on the registry. We get that a lot. There was there was a bill filed here a couple of weeks ago, and I've already went down there and spoken with the legislators. They say, you know, because you have to have a driver's license or an ID in order to even register, and it has to be valid, it's important that our folks get their driver's license and their ID in a timely manner. The bill would allow people who are homeless to get a free driver's license or ID if they are homeless. And they would, you know, there's many, many ways that they could prove that they're homeless, except, and if there you go, except for people with sex offenses. So, you know, that was my question to the legislative office. If somebody's homeless, they're homeless. Why would you exclude people with sex offenses? They are the ones that have to have that license, period. Or they'll be arrested because they won't be allowed to register. I said, uh, you know, I think your bill's a good bill, but why would you exclude one group of homeless people? So, you know, they basically said, well, we've been talking about it and we're working on it. You know, that's a good bill for us to oppose. So, in other words, we can go up and we can say, you know, we think this is a, a really good bill. This is a really good bill. But our concern is that she's excluded some homeless people. And we just don't understand why she's chosen to exclude them. They need their driver's license and ID more than anyone does. So in that way, we, we get out more, you know, educating more legislators and possibly killing her bill. 
it's interesting. You're also setting up a, a chance for another legislator to tack on an amendment to that bill that removes the exception. We see that a lot over here. Oh, my gosh. You'll start reading a bill, and it looks so good. And then at the very end, it'll say, except for, it's like, doggone it, here we go again. So, yeah, we, we get that a lot down here, Michael. Yeah, I, I see it everywhere in the criminal justice arena. It drives me absolutely nuts. Me too. Uh, Mary Sue, tell the listeners how they can get hold of you or check out your website if they're interested in learning more about Texas Voices. Our website is texasvoices.org. We do have a toll-free number on the website. And if you want to call the toll-free number and leave a message, I try to return calls within 24 hours. It's 877-215-6688. And you can also email us through our website, or you can email me on my personal email, which is marysue, N-I-N-T-X, at yahoo.com. Elizabeth, that's for you, sweetie. Oh, okay. Thank you. Sure. Super. Thank you. Thank you so much for being our guest on this show, Mary Sue. We we hit the ground running just a couple weeks ago, and we're just honored to have you here. You are such a great guest and such a great advocate for the movement. And okay, so I think I should let you know. I think Mm -hmm. I should let you know that when we get off the phone, I'm going to be up all night going. Okay, should I have said that different or should I? (laughs) I will be too. It's okay. Yeah, you yeah. did great. So, uh, but that's okay. I'm I'm very honored to be invited, Michael. Thank y'all very much for asking me. Well, thank you very much. Let me tell our listeners one more time how they can listen to us regularly. Just click on a link in your social media or go to blogtalkradio.com/slash/registry-report-radio. Or you can call in, like so many people have tonight. The number to call in and listen to the show is five six three nine 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 three seven one two. And we did not take calls tonight, but we will be taking calls in future shows once we get better at at running this show and and screening calls and doing all the things that uh, involve behind the scenes here in the studio. So I encourage you to follow us on Blog Talk Radio and to make it a habit of tuning in every week to listen to Registry Report Radio. Thank you so much for listening tonight, and we hope you'll be back next time. Bye, y'all. Bye.